0: Kathy, do you remember this one?
1: In fancy I stood by the shore one day Of a beautiful murmuring sea And I saw the great crowds as they thronged the way Of the stranger of Galilee I saw how a man Who was blind from birth, in a moment was made to see. The lame were made whole by the matchless skill of the stranger of Galilee. And I felt I could love him forever, so gracious and pure was he. So I claimed him that day as my Savior, this stranger of Galilee. I heard that. You hadn't
0: heard that one? That used to be, back in the 1950s, quite often sung as a special in the Baptist churches. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, I was thinking of your... Your daddy, and I didn't know whether he had ever he might have heard. Huh? He might have heard it. He might have heard it. <laughs> 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 yeah. First Corinthians, third chapter. Beginning with the first verse. Those hearing aids in, and it seems like it stops my ears up or something. It's just like I've landed on a plane and hadn't yet popped my ears yet or something, and so I feel like I'm talking in a tunnel or something. But I titled this: this is verses one through five. Advance in Christian growth. This is a command. Now Paul is writing here to these Corinthians, and he says, However, brethren, now remember, he's talking to them as brothers, as saved, as Christians. I could not talk to you as to spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh, in whom the carnal nature predominates as to mere infants in the new life of Christ, unable to talk yet. What he's saying is, look, he said, I've kind of told you in this first part of the letter that you're you're Christians, that you have everything that a Christian is supposed to have, but you haven't learned it yet. You haven't learned it yet. I've got a quote here, and I can't remember who it's by. But said, If you are walking today by yesterday's light, you're backslidden. I read across that one day in some of my reading, and I read so many different ones, I can't remember who it was that said that. But if you are walking today by yesterday's light, You are backslidden. That pretty well encompasses most of us, doesn't it? So you see, Spurgeon said something to the effect that the greatest thing that a man could have is the study of God. As the, if, he's, if he studies God, there's nothing better for him to do than that. So this is kind of where we are today in this. But see, verse 1 says, he's talking to elementary brethren. You know, we've got a problem in most churches in most Baptist churches that we don't ever stop to realize. We have a young lady who's just recently become a Christian. We have a bad habit of saying, okay, you're saved, go live. Without any catechisms, See, the Catholic Church has catechisms that you must learn. The Jews had catechisms that they had to learn. The rabbi would walk with a bunch of Jewish boys, and he would have them repeat after him. It was all oral then. It wasn't all written down. It was oral tradition. And we used to have, uh, in the churches, we had the Westminster Shorter Catechism and those. It was a question and answer thing. Steve, if I were to ask you, what is the chief aim of man? Your answer would be the chief aim of man is to glorify God and love him forever. Then the second question came, and the third question came, and they used to have this in the churches, in like in the Sunday school or something like that, they had these these things that you learned. Like you did when you was in grammar school. You know, you had certain things in grammar school that you learned, like that. Uh, Jethro said it was the gazendas. You remember Jethro's gazendas? One goes into one, one one goes into two, two and one goes into three. You know, and you know, but we we used to learn our multiplication tables and stuff like that. You know. And sometimes you learn the alphabet by a singing. You ask me about the singing. Linda Killian accuses me of knowing the words to nearly every song there is out there, you know. But because the Jews sang the Psalms and things like that, we could remember stuff, and this is when it's bad, is when the, uh, the hymn doesn't have theological solidity. Uh, You have some out there that says, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. That is not scriptural. It's a great little old song, but it's not scriptural. And so, uh, but a lot of your songs you do remember like that. When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the presence of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, saving the death of God, of Christ, my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice now to His blood. See, you learn these songs like that, and they—they are—they're they're very good. And this is what Paul is saying to them right now. You haven't been Christians long enough to know everything, you know, that that uh, you, uh, as a matter of fact, you've been slacking off. You hadn't learned like you were supposed to learn. So that's what he's saying to them then. He says, because you have the remnants of the flesh. In other words, you're still thinking like you used to think. You know, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. And so he said to them, Look, look, you're you're not you're not doing this. Now, my friend Bill McLeduff, who recently died, used to be my Sunday school teacher, uh, had one that he misquoted all the time, and I never did call his hand on it because I wouldn't go argue with Bill. And see, in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, we run into this. It says, therefore, well, let me start back up in the fifth chapter. It says this. Concerning this, we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish in your spiritual insight. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's Word. You have come to need milk, not solid food, (coughs) For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced, unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. For he is a mere infant, not able to talk yet. But solid food is for full-grown men. For those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble, what is evil, contrary either to divine or human law. Now, that's the fifth chapter, but now he says, Now, therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, advancing steadily toward completeness, perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Then this is what Bill used to misquote all the time. He said, Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance, and abandonment of dead works and of the faith by which you turn to God with teachings about purifying the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment of punishment. See, Bill used to read that and he'd say, well, that's where we need to be going. That's not what the book is saying here. The book is saying, look, You should be already past all this because down here in the amplification it says these are all matters of which you should have been fully aware long, long ago. Testimonies today in a Baptist church many times is I remember the day I got saved and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Tell me about since then. Tell me about since then. See, Paul is saying to the, I mean, uh, whoever wrote the the book of Hebrews is, is saying here, it says, you don't need to keep going back to the foundation. You need to be steadily, steadily, steadily advancing in your Christian walk. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Paul said, I press toward the mark. I press on. In spite of pain and everything else, I press on to the high calling. So this is what he's saying now. And then in Second Peter... Oh boy, turn right to it, three eighteen. No, missed it with well, one page. It says, "But grow in grace, and recognition, and knowledge, and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity." Amen. Peter saying the same thing that Paul is saying. Some people used to say that Peter and Paul didn't agree. They did. So Paul said to these Corinthians, you're still thinking like Corinthians. You're unreliable in your judgment. You're still Greek. You're still Greek. You're still thinking like the the Greeks, like you were taught to think. You haven't yet learned to make good judgment. And see, I must endeavor to grow. It's not the preacher's job to grow you. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job to grow you it's your responsibility to grow by the instruction of the holy spirit by the revelation or the illumination of the word this is where it is you're you're supposed to be supposed to be at you're supposed to be advancing yesterday's lights not good enough we got to have new light today, and the new light can only come by study. So verse 2 says this, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet you are not strong enough to be ready for it. Are you satisfied with where you are? Are you satisfied with where you are? Always you have this idea of attainment. Why didn't you quit school when you were in sixth grade? Were you satisfied with where you were? No. And why do people continue in their education? Because they're not satisfied with where they are. Many times in your job, are you satisfied with where you are? Or do you want to attain more, achieve more? It all relates back. Spiritual is the same thing. Billy Havits used to have a saying something like that, get all you can, can't all you get, sit on the lid, and don't worry about the rest. Get all you can, can't all you get, sit on the lid, And don't worry about the rest. In other words, be satisfied. You know, that's so many times that was his evaluation of the people in the congregation was they had got all they could and and that's all they wanted to do. I am firmly convinced that the reason that more people don't study their Bible is because it demands too much of them. It shows them where they are and where they should be. And many times people do not want preaching of that type because it's going to require me to do more than I'm doing now. It's going to require me to be more responsible. See, right now, we were talking a while ago about ignorance, you know. Used to be an old radio show years ago It pays to be ignorant, to be ignorant, to be ignorant. That was the kind of little theme song it came on with. And you, uh, they would, Answer questions with stupid answers, and and the people would just crack up. I mean, the audience would just crack up about you know because they were actually boasting of their ignorance. You know, and uh, you know uh, you know what profanity is, don't you? Profanity is ignorance verbalized. That's really what it boils down to be and so and I used to be bad at it, didn't I, Charles? You remember, don't you? <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: Boy, how's that? How's that? You look at me now and remember what I, what I, how I talked then, and you say, "Uh, <laughs> what's what's going on here? What's what's happening to this guy here?" You know, but. Actually, you, that's a lot of the things that you, you have to advance, you have to grow out of. Uh, my dad was of the old morality. He was born in 1905. And he never used foul language around a woman or a child. Now, of course, when I was going to school, we learned all that stuff at recess. (laughs) Boy, we we learned a whole bunch of stuff at recess. And I never knew that my daddy knew that kind of language until one day I was down at the barn and he didn't know I was anywhere around and I heard him talking to a mule. And daddy knows the language that I learned at recess. (laughs) So... I never told him that either. I never told told him that I heard him saying things like that, you know. But the old school was, I remember one day we were out either butchering hogs or skinning a deer or something. And there was a guy there that it was kind of a gang of men around, about four or five and this guy had been uh sipping a little alcohol and he came out with some profanity and he turned around and saw my mother standing there and even in his inebriated state he was just almost abject in his apology to her because he had said these things In her hearing. We used to have. That kind of morality. In the United States. And it came out of Christianity. But it carried over. Into everyday life. And so. My dad always said. When they integrate the schools. Your morality will be gone. And sadly to say. He was right. Because we didn't. Bring the standards. We didn't bring them to standards. We lowered the standards to bring them. And we've done that in so many things in our society today. Some of you might remember D. Witt Abley. D. Witt Abley said zip code was made for people who couldn't read. He was an old-time postman, you know. And that was his evaluation of zip code was for people who could Used to a man who passed a civil service exam. Oh, he was someone to be looked up to. Today, we've lowered the standards and we've done the same thing in the church. We've lowered our standards. We've lowered our standards of morality to where we don't have the training. See we used to have what we call church training on Sunday night. And so we that's where you learned the principles of Christianity. what is expected of a Christian. Did you know that most lost people have a higher expectation of Christians than Christians do of themselves? Many times you talk to someone about Christianity, they say, I don't think I can live up to it. I just, I, I, I'd, I'd like to be a Christian, but I just don't think I can live up to it. And so this is what you're looking at today. As Paul is saying, and it's not new. Back here in Corinth, it says that way. See, when you've got a a baby, it's got baby teeth, right? But what happens to the baby teeth? They fall out. Why? Because permanent teeth are for adult food. From mature food you know they tell you every once in a while said, uh, he was participating he was having an adult beverage yeah well I guess Brown's Mule was an adult chew wasn't it any of y'all familiar with Brown's Mule Day's Work Bloodhound all those old... Uh, nowadays, it's uh, all this other stuff in the little round cans like that, you know. But used to, when I was a kid, man, they, they had that plug tobacco, you know. But that was... I guess that was adult chewing. But so, adult food, grown food is for grown people. And that's what... Paul is saying right here now. And the third, he is saying this. There's no harmony in the church. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, you are, are you not, on spiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard, and like mere men. You ever been to a church where they had an argument? I know Kathy has, because she grew up in it. They were wrong in their thought. That's envy. Envy. Well, I don't like Charles because he's, he, he's more always always right, you know. I mean, I, I think something, and Charles comes along and says, no, this Bible says this, and, you know. And so I get envious of him because he knows more than I do. And so therefore, we don't, we don't get along that good because uh, I, I just can't, I don't like to be around somebody that's smarter than me. That's envy. And then they were wrong in words. Disputes. Well, if you would see it my way and I think that the carpet ought to have been a little brighter than this. This is kind of rather dull carpet. I don't know, Kathy, who pricked it out or anything, you know. But, I, I you know, if it had if been left up to me, I'd have had a brighter carpet in here, you know. Stupid stuff like that. Or where in the world are we going to put the piano? Or all this stuff that you've seen argued in church. All this stuff in church arguing over whatever. And then that leads to wrong in deeds. That's division in the body. Well, I have sat on this side of the church for 20 years. And I ain't gonna sit on that side because that guy right there is over there. And me and him don't get along. Am I far off, Kathy? You've seen it, haven't you? You've seen it. Where the divisions in the church. you got this little click over here several years ago I was instrumental in starting a Thursday night prayer group at First Baptist Church we had like I don't know 10 15 maybe more showing up there uh what started it was, I knew that there was a problem between some people of the church, and so I went to Gordon Siders. Y'all, y'all knew Gordon Siders, air crop, air duster, you know, crop duster, and we went to see. Uh, Another guy and I can't call his name right now. I can picture of the house he lived in. I've been in his house many times, and uh, uh, but anyway, went to see him to kind of work out. We were all deacons and we were all kind of uh, work uh, trying to work this situation out. Well, when I got there. Little did I realize that I was the one that was opposite of those two. I thought me and Gordon was exactly in the same camp, but we were not. And so my answer to it was, well, why don't we start a deacon's prayer meeting and see if we can't level some of this out? So we went to John Miles, who was chairman of the deacons. And when we approached John with this, he said, Yes. He said, I've been wondering how we could get something like that started. And he said, let's do it. Billy Hammonds was our pastor. Billy Hammonds became part of the group. Billy Hammonds was no longer the pastor. He became part of our group. And if you've never had an experience like this, try to do it. Me, Bill Jones... Steve Ryman, John Miles, Wesley King was in there, Uh, Bob Bob was from another church, Bob something from another church, and several others was in that group. And we would get there. Maybe Bill and I would usually get there first. And we'd start, like you and I do sometimes, like you did me the other day about a, a passage of scripture. And we start discussing this passage of scripture. The other guys would come in, and maybe we would pursue that passage of scripture about this far. But then, somehow along the way, by the Holy Spirit's direction, and there's no other way I can explain it, that we would come. On a passage, a subject for that night. And we would start discussing that. And we'd all be sitting, just like you are, sitting in chairs. And it's almost as if somebody had flipped a switch. This was the amazing thing of it. We would all hit the floor together. I mean, it was kind of like tumble down, you know, not everybody at the same time, but blam, 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 everybody's on the floor. Some lying face down, some just sitting, cross-legged. Some of them were, you know, no, no particular posture or anything like that. You don't have to be in a particular posture to pray. And we had what we called, what I call conversational prayer. That is, that Steve got something he, you know, to pray, and he prays. Fine, amen. You, he comes up, and prays, amen. She comes up. Well, it's of course, there's all men there, but you know, the next person would come up and pray. I mean, but that didn't mean you were done, because somewhere along there. He'd come back with something, or I'd come back with something to pray about. It's actually, is like somebody nudged you and said, this you need to pray about. And we would do that, and sometimes till midnight or later. One night we started that and one of the guys, I forget, it might have been Steve, said something about, you know, uh, I have a hard time getting up the next morning after these prayer meetings because we stay so late. So I said, Lord, give him the same rest tonight that you would give him in a full night's sleep after we leave here. You know what his first words were? The next meeting we had, he did it. God gave him what I asked for him, and we we would. But when we when it was over, we knew it was over. Everybody got quiet. Everybody stood up. It's done. It was. As if somebody else, and I hope it was the Holy Spirit, was controlling that prayer group. And it is a, it's a feeling, it's a peace, or whatever you want to call it, that you've never had before when you like that. And you know John Gatlin, you ever knew him? Used to be in charge of the Delta development here. John Gatlin knew about us. He'd come in, he said, I want you guys to pray about something. He said, I can't make it public, but he said, I know y'all don't talk. And we've got such and such and such and such situation in Phillips County. I want you guys to pray about it. And we would. John Gatlin got fired because he did not let the Powers that be the sh- movers and shakers know what was going on because if some factory wanted to look at this land down here and the landowner found out about it, the price immediately went up. And they fired John Gatlin because he wasn't, and John Gatlin was those people would swear him to secrecy when they came here. And he would keep the secret, and they fired him because because he was an honest man of integrity. That's what you deal with in the world today. So, that that we had that that prayer group like that, and but he's saying here to them, you've got no harmony in the church. You've got divisions in the body. You're still acting like people of the world. Verse 4, he says this. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not proving yourselves an ordinary, unchanged men? Fifth verse says, What then is Apollos? What's Paul? Ministering servants, not heads of parties, through whom you believed, even as the Lord appointed to each his task. He's saying here, Who are you to judge who's the better preacher? You haven't been a Christian long enough to understand Christianity, and yet you're going to stand up here and say, Well, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I I don't even follow none of them. I follow Jesus alone, you know. I'm I'm more spiritual than any of you, you know. Uh, Baloney. That's what he's saying. He said, That's childlike. Hey, boy, my daddy can whoop your daddy. You know that? <laughs> Is that not childlike? Huh, my mama's a better cook than yours. Or whatever, you know. the blacks have a thing they call cutting the dozens. Yeah, your mama's so big when she sits around the house, she sits all the way around the house. (laughs) Have you ever been around them when they're doing that? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he said, yeah. So, but it's childlike. That's what Paul's telling them here. He said, Who are you? Because, Because Paul might not have been as eloquent in his speech as Apollos was. Does that make him a better preacher? No. But see, they're still thinking like Greeks. They're still thinking that the guy that can get up there and make the most eloquent speech, he's got to be better than the other one. No, not so. Who am I to judge? By what standard? Based upon what standard am I to judge? Personality? Social standing? All this is of the flesh. Now you think... You think this doesn't happen? Get you a pretty big congregation, and you ask a question while I go kidding. Get you a pretty big con- congregation, and it comes time for nomination of deacons to be elected. Who gets nominated to be a deacon? You're smiling, because uh, your banker, he's, you know, he's real prominent in the community and everything. He'd make great deacon, wouldn't he? Or you're, you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer, or, or someone like that. Or these man, this guy's a fine businessman. He would be good to to be a deacon. What is a deacon? diaconess, servant, table waiter, one that wears an apron. Now where's your judgment? But you look at whose deacons in your bigger churches and the people that nominated them sometimes when you're on a when you're on a deacon body i never did like to call it a board uh, if you're in a deacon body and you come up with this and you look at these denominations you think what's wrong with these people what's wrong with these people that they would nominate this person to be a deacon Because the people themselves don't understand. They think that the deacons are supposed to govern the church. I'm no longer a deacon because I had a pastor that was trying to use me to govern the church. And I said, no longer. I'd call his hand on it. We'd be in a deacon's meeting. And I'd call, I said, oh, 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 that's not our job. We don't do that. And the others then would back, kind of back me up, you know. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's in our bylaws that we don't do that, you know. Didn't affect him a bit. He'd come right back the next time. And I finally decided it's not Herschel's place to stand here and reprimand this deacon, this preacher every time he starts doing something like that. As uh, I think it's just time for me to go and... Joined up with Bill Jones and and we'll because Bill Jones was on that deacon too thing too so me and Bill Jones went and did something else so I I'm, I am an ordained deacon still listed on First Baptist Church deacons but as inactive and so uh, that's that's where that all came about. But see I'll end up with this question what makes my opinion better than yours You know what conceit is You know you used to say oh he's so conceited he thinks he's the, he thinks he's ha- as handsome as Denny And he's so conceited. Well, I tell people, I used to jokingly tell people, I said, well, last year I was conceited. But this year I got rid of that. Now I'm perfect. (laughs) But isn't that what it is? Opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody got one. And that's what there are. There are opinions. It doesn't necessarily mean mine's better than yours. And so Paul is telling these people, he said, Grow up. Grow up. Get away from this fleshly nature you got of comparing this man to this man to this man. Or uh, this group to this group, and all of this. Let's be of one body. Let's be of the church of one body. You know, you got a church here in town called Harmony Baptist Church. Were they ever harmonious? <laughs> It's the hardest thing in the world to get a large group of people to work in harmony. Unless you've got what? A common goal, and a common leader, and a common belief. And when then, then you could be in harmony. But. See, I didn't agree with you a while ago when you said something, did I? But well, who cares? <laughs> who cares if if we didn't agree on this one project, like you say? You know, this millennial and all that. I'm a pan millennial. I believe whatever God's planned, it'll pan out. <laughs> and other than that. I'm not going to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong because this book here has got it there, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm infallible when I come reading this book. Neither are y'all. But we can still be in harmony because we have the same Lord. We have the same faith. We have the same baptism. That's scriptural. And what are we doing? We're headed for the same goal. And so that is what we aim to advance. Don't be satisfied where you are. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to where he wants you to go. And whatever service that might be in that's the best service for you to be in. I do not choose my spiritual gift. Neither do you. He gives according to what his good pleasure. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are who you are. We thank you for these words that's written in your word to show us that people are still people. They were people back in Paul's day and they're still people today. And we all still have the same thoughts. We have the same illusions. And we have the same... Pride within ourselves to think that we know better than anybody else our group is better than somebody else's group or whatever and we know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees ganged up on Jesus but they didn't agree with one another and so it just seems like it's the old saying is My enemy is your enemy, and so therefore we're friends until the enemy is destroyed. But, Lord, we know that we all have a common enemy, and that one day he will be destroyed, and that you will be victorious, and that we will stand with you as long as we are your people. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.